Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 216 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a professor in the Department of Management Science and Technology at the Athens University of Economics and Business, as well as a long-time IT practitioner. He is the author of many open-source software tools, including UML Graph, C-Scout, and Git Issue. His latest book is Effective Debugging, 66 Specific Ways to Debug Software and Systems. So welcome to the podcast, Diomedes Spinellis. It's my pleasure to be with you, Phil. So Diomedes, could you perhaps tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you uh, ended up at the Athens University? I've been uh, practicing IT, so writing programs. This is what I love for more than 30 years. I started doing that as a pupil at school, and I continue to do it and enjoy it until uh, today. Uh, in parallel with that, so at the, the university, I was uh, offered the possibility to continue with a PhD, and this led me to an academic career. And uh, that's how, after some years at the University of the Aegean, I ended up at the Athens University of Economics and Business. Right. Okay. And in terms of um, the software tools you developed, obviously I mentioned a couple in the um, introduction. Could you tell us a little bit about those and how those came about? From the university days, I got uh, invited by the group that was then open sourcing the Berkeley version of uh, Unix to contribute software to the effort. And uh, I decided to re-implement the stream editor said in C at uh, that time. It became part of uh, BST Unix. It's now distributed with macOS and other flavors of Unix. And I liked very much the idea of building tools. So I continued with that, and whenever I find a problem that's interesting and not something that solves it is not available, I spent time to develop a tool that solves it. So for example, I found it very tedious to design diagrams in UML using the mouse. So I thought it would be much better to create a tool that would allow me to write some text describing the diagram, and that would automatically create the UML diagram. Yes. And thus, UML Graph was born. Right. Or as another example, to refactor C code, I found it very difficult and very tricky when this involves also preprocessor statements, because this can create tokens out of thin air. And so I created a refactoring tool for C code called the C Scout. And lately, I'm toying with a Git issue, which is a distributed issue management system based on Git. And it sounds like you're, you're tackling as many problems as you can come across. It's uh, something I enjoy. Being an academic, it gives me brownie points because <laughs> these are things that you can then uh, publish and uh, discuss and build upon. And uh, so it's uh, the best of both worlds. So, Diomedes, can you perhaps share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not know about and perhaps should? 
Uh, it's not so much about technology, although it is related to technology, and it took me years to appreciate it. And the tip is that deep problems aren't just uh, technical in nature, but uh, involve humans and uh, larger systems. And thus we need to learn to communicate with our colleagues and our customers to present our ideas and build uh, networks. These are things that uh, as a technologist, as a programmer, I didn't initially understand in my career. I thought everything could be solved with some cool technology. But at various points, I stumbled on problems that weren't technological in nature. I could see people that had the technology but weren't using it, people that had other motives for behaving in a certain way that hadn't something to do with technology. And this made me appreciate what I said, that we need to look at why, why, take a look at the wider picture rather than only at how to technologically solve a problem. Yeah. I've heard other people put forward the argument that every problem that you come across is actually a people problem at the root. So even when it's a technical issue, the, the background to it will be an individual. So it always comes back to people. It comes back to people, but technology is also important, especially information technology can be hugely important. So many changes that we're witnessing around us are based on technology. But technology alone cannot solve many problems. We need to look at the people aspect, as you said. Yes. Yep. Okay. Tim, if you tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience. It's many years back. We're going back to the 1980s. I was uh, consulting for a company that was building software for civil engineers. This could uh, predict how a building would move under an earthquake using finite element analysis. And because the processors at the time were quite slow in doing mathematical computations, you needed to add a coprocessor unit beside the processor to speed up the computation. So the company had bought such a coprocessor and uh, they asked me to install it on the computer. I opened it, it turned off the power, put it in, turned on the power. And the one thing I saw, I can still remember, it was a small puff of smoke coming out <laughs> of that very expensive coprocessor. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, exactly. We had waited many months <laughs> for it to arrive. It was expensive. It had to go come through customs. It was the only one in the company. And there it was in front of me up in uh, smoke. Did you understand why that happened? Was there a particular reason or was it just faulty? No, I felt a cool sweat over me and uh, immediately understood what was going on. It, there were many, three ways, four ways to plug it into the socket and yep. only one was the correct way. So it turned out that I had plugged it in the wrong way in. Oh dear, <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, did you have to wait long for a replacement? Probably, yes. But the problem was that at that time that I had made the fool of myself in front of uh, the company's owners uh, and uh, we were all very excited to be able to run the computations with a coprocessor. I tailored the software to take that into account and we're not able to do anything with it at the time. Yeah, that's a shame. And um, what did you learn from that? Is there something you, uh, you do differently as a result of that experience? First of all, at that point, uh, I admitted that I had uh, erred and I uh, didn't 
try to say that it was a faulty component or something like that, although maybe I could have uh, done that. Uh, the owners were very understanding and they told me that this is a op- learning opportunity. I very, very much appreciated that. And yep. uh, I, this is something I repeat to my colleagues and my students when mistakes are made, that this is how we learn. And uh, also on the technology front, I learned, although probably not uh, enough, to be careful when actions can have irreversible consequences. So in retrospect, I should have very carefully verified the pinout and how it matched and whether it could have been uh, wrong. And nowadays, often when I administer systems, there are times when something that you do can uh, be non-reversible when you you remotely administer a server and uh, you change the SSH daemon, you can get yourself locked out. And these are things that you need to be very careful when you restart a service and install new software that can affect thousands of users. You need to be very careful and have a backup and backout plan if something goes wrong. Yeah, very good advice. Yes, very true. Um, so moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? Okay, this took place about uh, 10 years ago. At the time, I was uh, serving the Greek government as the Secretary General for Information Systems at the Greek Ministry of Finance. And one of the tasks that we had on our hands was in order to try to consolidate the payments to the hundreds of thousands of civil servants to set up a single payment authority. I had in my hands a plan to do that with a big IT system and a new directorate that was being set up for this purpose. I had even rented out offices for those people, but there was no system in place. And from my experience, you need about five years due to lengthy government procurement schedules from the time you knew you wanted such a system to the time the system became operational. Thankfully, an old hat from uh, the administration came to me with a crazy uh, idea. That's how others described it. And, uh, but it seemed to be quite a clever one. And this was in, instead of creating a huge IT system to solve that problem, to allow every department to, to use their existing payment system to just send data in XML format to a central repository that would just then verify that the data was correct and integrate it into a single file that would get sent to the banks for further processing. In this agile method, it allowed us also to bring it to, to allow third parties and companies to create solutions for the individual payment systems. It allowed us to onboard departments as each department was ready. And so in a matter of six months, we had hundreds of thousands of people getting paid through this new system without going through the large pharaonic exercise of the integrated system. Yeah, that sounds like a great approach. And presumably that that sort of minimized the disruption as well on the department because they didn't have to worry about changing the systems that they were using. Exactly. They could use their existing systems and either adapt them or uh, found that the company would very offered a very cheap solution that allowed you to transform the files that they had in CSV format into the XML format that we asked. Right. That's really good. Okay. So, Damien, is what one thing excites you about the future of a career in IT? The one thing that excites me both for the past uh, 
decades and for the future is that every year we are blessed with better technology, more powerful computers, better algorithms, exciting new ways to work, new tools. I do not think this is the case in the, with this speed of progress in any other profession. And this is extremely exciting. It is as if we are getting new gifts every year. If you love your work, which uh, I do, I'm extremely happy that every new year I have uh, new tools that I can learn, uh, have faster computers, more interesting peripherals, and so on. And this is one of the reasons I love working in IT. I presume you have an inquisitive mind anyway, um, obviously with an academic focus, you're presumably trying to keep up to date with everything that's happening as well. So yes, you become aware of these things and, and you're able to, to look into them when they sort of interest you. Trying and having to learn new things, of course, it becomes always more and more difficult to get the full appreciation of all the technology that is uh, around us. I think the last computer I was able to understand from the lowest levels so or from the circuit level to the operating system application programs was the IBM PC. Now I know the, how the components fit together, but I have no idea about the exact details of the USB protocol or all the instructions of uh, the newest Intel processors and so on. Yeah, but it's just too much to learn. You can't know everything. Yeah. Okay. And um, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Sure. Fire away. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? The ability to control computers. They sound to me like marvelous machines. And it was for me like playing in a science fiction movie, being able to do things that I admired and saw others doing. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? To listen to other people, to see, to understand their problems, listen for advice on how I could improve, listen to better for specifications of the software, not to do what I think is best, but understand what others think is best. And conversely, what is the worst career advice you've ever received? That was to learn a particular 4GL, 4-generation programming language that's supposed to allow you to create application programs in an easier way. I didn't follow it, but the general uh, what I learned from there is to avoid investing deeply in proprietary technologies. And if you were to begin your IT career again in today's world, what would you do? I would work hard to become a machine learning expert with a deep understanding of the underlying mathematics. Right. You see that as a particular area that's going to continue to develop and grow? For, for many years in the future, I think. And there's a difference between just applying algorithms, say, black art, and uh, understanding how these algorithms work and uh, what's happening underneath so that you can create better machine learning models. Sure. I mean, for me, I find the uh, the whole topic of AI quite abstract at the moment. It'll be interesting to see how well it's applied and what problems and solutions it comes up with. I think currently we're in the similar stage as we were with uh, the ENIAC computer many decades before. So people were experimenting with algorithms and writing programs, but didn't exactly understand what the basic building blocks should be. 
So they were writing self-modifying code without understanding that this was actually a bad practice. But as the years came went by, we understood the basic principles and ideas of what it means to write a program. And we have to we'll move to a similar phase in machine learning. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? International reach, so co- cooperating more with colleagues all over the world, other universities, uh, companies abroad. I think it's important to extend our reach outside our the city we are in or the country we are in. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Perversely, something I wasn't very good at uh, early on, so it has it has been uh, writing. I had to write as an academic, and this helped me also to get across my ideas through practitioner books, such as code quality and uh, code uh, reading articles. Uh, I was for 10 years writing a column called Tools of the Trade for the IEEE Software Magazine, and later on I became editor-in-chief of that magazine, partly also through the writing that had preceded that. Yeah, we obviously mentioned your um, latest book, the Effective Debugging um, book. Presumably, there are other books you've written as well. Yes, I mentioned a Code Reading, which offers advice on how to read existing code, either for maintaining it or for understanding it or for adding new features or for debugging it. And a Code Quality, how to look at code and understand the quality that lies that uh, it expresses. So find problems or understand whether this system is flawed or how it can be improved. Yeah. Is it something you like doing now, producing books? It's a time-consuming task, and it has moments where it is not uh, pleasurable, especially when you move into production. Uh, so I leave some years between each book, so I can yep. uh, forget the difficult parts and uh, remember the joy of producing a book. Indeed, yes. Have you got plans to be writing any more in the near future? I'm open to suggestions. Right, okay, fine. Um, So what do you do to keep your own career energised? I'm a huge believer in investing on building technical capacity. So I think that technology for us uh, IT people is a huge lever allows us to be very productive. It can increase our productivity by 10 or more, 10 times or more. So I periodically evaluate what I'm doing and I invest time in writing small tools, some macros, reorganizing the files, thinking of uh, things that uh, are, take a lot of time and how I can use technology to make them happen more efficient. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? Away from technology is the key part here because uh, a lot of time also is spent on hacking with gadgets or uh, making interesting technological things. But uh, the thing I do away from technology is uh, long-distance running. Oh, allows me yes. to think, experience nature when I'm abroad, see new places and so on. Right. Okay. Do you do a lot of running? I try to. I'm lucky to live in the city where the original marathon was uh, first run. So I run the Athens original marathon, and I also run smaller distances uh, around the year. So, Diomedes, can you 
share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? As a parting career advice, I would uh, I would suggest to look at new technologies, learn new things every year, new programming languages, new tools, new ways of uh, working, new approaches to organizing teams and uh, so on. Right. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Sure. I have a website that's spinellis.gr with double L. There are also, I also keep a blog. And I've also put for our listeners a checklist for debugging. You can find it at spinellis.gr slash debugging slash checklist.pdf. You can also find me and follow me on Twitter as CoolSWNC. That's for Cool Software Engineering. Great. Thank you, Diomedes. It's been great chatting with you. It's been my pleasure. A quick thank you again to my guest on today's show for sharing their career tips, advice and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e and then the number of today's episode. Now that there are three new episodes of the show every week, make sure that you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss out. And don't forget to join the new IT Career Energizer community group in Facebook. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would be great to hear from you and to learn about your own career journey, your successes, opinions, and thoughts on the future of the industry. Thanks for supporting the show. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.